0: I'm Brad Clark of Private Press Brewing, and this is the Brewer to Brewer podcast from All About Beer. My guest is Corey King of Side Project, and he is here for a conversation that goes beyond the brew house and into topics that matter to brewing professionals and curious beer drinkers. First, please visit allaboutbeer.com and follow on social media at All About Beer. And to support journalism in the beer space, check out patreoncom slash allaboutbeer. We'll get into the conversation in just a moment, but first, this message.
1: First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Some of the brightest brewers across the country have discovered the First Tea advantage. Hill Farmstead, Sweetwater Brewing Company, and Angry Chair are among the many who have used First Tea's unique and quality teas and botanicals to create top-rate beers. First Tea focuses on being direct, flexible, and fast. You can find out more about First Tea's collaboration with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting firsttea.com blog. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A dot blog. Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit MaltEuropeMaltingCo.com com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at Customer at maltEurope. dot or dial eight four four five four six malt for questions or to place your order.
0: Okay, let's get into it. Do right. it. My guest today, Corey King's first love in the beverage industry was for wine, hence the passion and focus on oak-age beers at Side Project. Originally seeking a career in winemaking, he found home brewing and dis- discovered that he could experiment with fermentation and interpretations of beer styles in his own kitchen. He and his wife, Karen, worked for other breweries first before Side Project was born, exploring oak and everything from saisons to wild ales, barley wines, and imperial stouts. After 10 years, Corey and Karen have grown side Project into three locations and have expanded into producing loggers, IPAs, and other non-Oak beers. Corey, it's so good to see you. Brad, lovely to see you as well. Um, I think we should just start this whole conversation about being, Brad's one of my best friends I've ever met. So this is going to be pretty off the cuff, and daddy and... Um, I hope people don't mind listening to you and I just kind of banter back and forth about uh, it's crazy to think that if we would have never found beer, we'd have never met. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, it's wild. Yeah. in the good old days of, you know, traveling all the time and festivals and collaborations and uh, um, which still happened on wrong but not like uh, at least for my life, like they used to. So um, thank you for inviting me to uh, to sit here and chat with you, my friend. And that little intro feels like a a whole other life, you know, talking about homebrewing. Um, that was like, like a lifetime ago, you know, um, -hmm. did you get your start that way too? Were you, were you homebrewing or, um, yeah, I I was really into beer, you know, at a young age and started picking up, uh, all about beer and, um, homebrewing magazines when I was 19 or 20. Um, And then I started working at Ohuli's when I turned 21, which was the brew pub that then became Jackie O's. And the guy that was uh, the brewer there at the time had opened up a homebrew shop in Athens, Ohio. And I started homebrewing uh, right when I turned 21. And uh, then like 18 months later, I did my first all grain as the head brewer uh, at the brew pub on the seven barrel system. So I only did like 30 batches of beer um, extract uh, yeah. before I went pro. But, um, you know, I mean, it kind of like became part of my lifestyle. Yep. It came this way that I relaxed and um, had fun. And it was way more interesting than college. And um, I when, once I graduated, I was like, I want to make beer for the rest of my life if I can. So let's give it a shot. Yeah. And, you know, 18 years later, here I am now, uh, you know, talking with yeah. one of my best friends, uh, and I can't speak enough about how much, how good the brewing industry has has been to me and, yeah. you know, finding people like you or finding my partner Adair, um, yeah. it's, it's still this amazing industry that we're part of and it's, it's great to still be contributing to it and interacting with it. Um, yeah agreed yeah. yeah and the I get the peripherals the yeah. yeah like we catch up fairly often yeah this is maybe the first time it's been recorded at least <laughs> when we knew it was being recorded you know
2: that's a good point that's a very good
0: point um yeah the peripherals of the industry uh were were, were value adds that yeah you know when we were all getting into it we never knew it would be would become what they are you know like when we were all starting to make beer like we didn't know uh of what it would grow into And, and there's relationships And I feel like at, I feel like there was A couple of years Where we all felt like we we're Well at least I almost felt Like we were on tour Do you know what I mean Like we all catch up With each other Like I'll see you in Copenhagen Hey I'll actually I'll see you over in California In, in two months Hey we you, you be in New York You know like We were all were like we're Traveling to these same Massive um, festivals Around the world even um, And and then in between We would be like Let's do a collab You know why don't you fly it in? Uh, and, and so it was like We all saw each other out and about all the times so, and then sometimes there are homes and uh and forge these uh, friendships in the early part well early for me part of this industry and i think um and when there was you know that massive wave taking off and it was just crazy how fast everything was going and um and and because of that you know met people like you and uh, uh i believe i think you and i have done more collabs together than i've done with anybody else uh, um, definitely with, within my canon I've 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 hands down done the most with you. Um yeah. and just the widest like breadth of beer styles as well. Um, you know, we started off doing primarily um mixed fermentation collabs. Uh-huh. So, you know, I uh-huh. think uh what was it called? Like Ami Pitter Patter. No, yeah, Ami Yeah,
2: Ami-Pour-Dujour.
0: Ami-Pour-Dujour. maybe came out before Pitter Patter. It might have come out It come out first because it was more of Saison-based, but um, uh, we did Pitter-Patter. We brewed Pitter-Patter. That was our first collab we did in our new facility with, with you. Remember we filled – I have to show you the pictures. Remember it was like the very first five punch-ins up against the wall? And now you know that wall is full, but yeah. we filled the very 1st punchins on that wall of my pyramid stack as we built it, built it. And so you and I did the very first collab there um, at our new facility, and uh, we did the – the, the pitter patter making fun of my wife's little pitter patter feet when we are when yeah. we walk so yeah. when brad and i walk we're a lot taller than my wife and um so she has to pretty much jog behind us accidentally we don't mean to i don't mean to make my wife jog when we walk but when we're walking around like copenhagen is what it was and we just you know on our mission our strides are a lot longer than hers and um i love my wife very much and i her and I's love is shared by giving fun, making fun of each other, and so I make fun of her pitter patter steps. So, <laughs> which became like, that what? sounds like a great beer name, and, and <laughs> it, that was my first and only uh, pluot beer mm-hmm. that I've wow. ever done. Um, yeah, and yeah, and then we did like uh, the Ami toujours or Ami Fortajor. Yes. Yeah, Ami which, which was almost more of like a beer to guard. Um, yeah. It, I think I talked you into putting some like C sixty five in there, or something. Yeah. So it had an orangish hue to it. Yep. We changed up the malt bill a little bit on that one, and uh, man, that's been good lord, buddy. We brewed that. That's that's a long time ago. That's a uh, you know pre COVID. That's the other part of my brain that I, I sometimes don't even remember. I should have I should have refreshed my my yeah, I, on some of these collabs. I thought <laughs> about doing like a chronological thing before this, oh. but that. Yeah, it like a lot of work, but you know. And then there was the We Are You with our good friends, yep. at Sante Darius and Tired Hands, and we did yep. like four iterations of that. And mm-hmm. that, that was uh, that was always a good time. Everybody getting together and like sharing our cultures, and uh, that felt Beautiful like beer. pretty yep. like pivotal collab when everybody was just kind of slapping names on things, and um, yep. like the collaboration had become kind of what it is today for a lot of things, more like performative, um, if you will. And yeah. I think we've always focused on trying to keep some, some meat on our like collab, like make it mean something or, you know, share something or, you know, allow each other's processes or ingredients to uh, reflect and also then, you know, permeate throughout our breweries as well, our respective yeah. brewing operations. And that's where we get into like a a lot of big beers. Um, Yeah. New stouts, but primarily um, barley wine and some uh, wheat wine and then maple wheat wine. Maple wheat wine. Yeah. And and honey wheat wine. Honey wheat or honey (laughs) barley wine. Honey barley wine. Sorry. Honey barley wine. Uh huh. And then you recently came to my space. Well, it was eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And you blended a uh, stout barley wine blend from my barrel stock. Which was um, awesome. That was fun. You did that, it quick. Awesome as in thank you for giving me that that opportunity to dig into yeah. all of your barrels and say, I want these. Can we do these, please? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of wild. They they all ended up being on the same barrel rack. Uh, and there was only four barrels on that rack. Yep. The three you picked were all right there. We tried a few others, but uh ultimately it was like, like we stood in front of it and then it just leapt out at us. Yeah. All the, all the double barrel uh, stuff, which, you know, I think you and I both recently uh, recently in the last couple of years, really started to focus on stout barley wine blends a little bit more, like kind of blending these two components together and uh, a component, they become flavors, which we can't almost write into one single recipe where they need to age separately. And, and a lot of that, comes down to the blending. You know, you write it in the one recipe you have, that's all you've got, where if we blend it, we can be like, I want, 37 percent this or 43 percent this you know you can it's you can really dial in that last uh, expression which is um kind of been fun to back in the day these would be called uh strong ales which is yeah. like the worst term ever and so generic and now we're making strong ales again but we're giving them the more of a uh a, i think a, a nomenclature that people better understand and and they're going over very well at least for me too as a drinker they're you know they have more heft than the barley wine but they're not as is as, as exhausting as an imperial stout can be sometimes and then they have this complexity that's um always intriguing and and uh, i i don't know maybe if the other the strong ales of the past didn't have that i mean all of our beers your yours mine are all bigger than the old world strong ales that we all first tasted but strong ills used to be like this like weird basket that things fell into where we're all like intentionally putting things into it i feel i feel like um And um, with that intention, there's come some pretty cool beers and and new blends that we've got to play around with, which, you know, thanks for letting me. I pulled, you know, only double barrel aged beer from Brad when we were there. I'm Like, I'm sorry, Brad, can I steal these ones that have the extra work and labor and love and barrel and time in them and put them in our blend? (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, you were the second person I invited in to uh, do that. Um, The first being Kyle from Horace. And uh, I think, hopefully Brindelson is able to make it out here in the next eight months or so to do the same but uh that's kind of that's kind of like what i want to do like there might be a couple barrels and i that are off limits but whatever makes the best beer whatever your palate takes it that's that's what should go in and having like i guess there's some confidence in my part saying like you can take whatever you want and i can still make you know what i intend to make later in the year without mm-hmm. those barrels but i mean you you pulled a triple barrel um but oh, I, that's I the first barrel that i showed you because it was one <laughs> three right. barrels in the you're tray. like you're, you're like you should taste this one I'm like can i have that one yes I like, yeah <laughs> I, I i knew what i was getting into um <laughs> and then you picked a double barrel barley wine and then you actually picked like one of my older single barrel stouts which was okay. about 22 or maybe 26 months old but you yeah. picked some some killer barrels and, and, and everybody love all of my members love that beer. Um, fun and blend. so your, your blends, uh, your stout barley wine blends, that's the continuance, uh, label, correct? So the continuance label for us is an all encompassing blended beer. That's not funky. is the thing. So we have pulling nails, which are blended, blended, yep. funky, sorry, blended funky line. And then continuance is this encompassing, blended not funky line now obviously we blend all of our stouts, we blend all of our barley wines but i was getting to the point where we were doing more of these barley wine stout blends and you know (sighs) naming a beer is hard and i'm not that's not my forte and and so some people would just like keep naming these beers have brand new names every time because they're all different blends and i don't ever want to pinch it on myself and have to do the same blend over and over and over again the only time we do that's for beer barrel time and that has a lot of love in it and i love doing that one because it's like this one time of the year we have to focus on making this one beer and everything else we've ever done is always these other blends where it's like, let's just be creative and have fun and do something different. So continuance is that encompassing. So some of the continuances didn't have stout in them, you know, like the the very first most stout barley wine blend. And the second one was just barley wines, but we adjuncted the barley wine, you know, and instead of creating this new, like, I don't know if we're going to ever adjunct the barley wine again. I don't know if I want to have a name for this beer that may not come back. And so we just play around. So continuance. Yeah, it is, more more often than not where you will find our stout barley wine blends unless it's a particular beer for say like when we did for Gabe when for Gabe at Anchorage's 10th anniversary that was actually the first stout barley wine blend that we had done um, intentionally because when I was at Anchorage not long before that brewing with Gabe he had his stout barley wine blend lagering in one of his suitors getting ready to clear up so he could package it and the first sip I had I was like
2: what is this
0: I don't think I've had uh, this before at that level of intensity. You know, we've all had style barley wine blends and this strong ale category I back in the day, but um, not with our new world, richness and viscosity and, you know, impactfulness. And so when I had it for the first time, I was like, what in the world? And the more I sit there and sipped on it, because um, it was great because he had it longer and it was chilled and we we're just pulling samples off the food and I like, kept having more and more of those. So, like, you've got something going here, my friend, that um, is familiar because we've had style barley wine blends in the past, but not, like this, and it became exciting. Um, and so that's where, like, when we did four Gabe, that was the first time I, I dove into that side of a, of a blend. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're doing a lot more of those now because they, I personally feel like they work, you know, and, and I feel like you and I have a great multi palettes. And, um, if you and I like them, then maybe other people like them too. I don't, you know, like, you know, you know, how flavor is so subjective. I, I'm, I'm gonna like things that you don't like, and you like things that I don't like, but. If you and I like them, then we're probably on the better side of more people liking them not, you know, it's a flavor that more people will find inviting than, than not inviting. Um, so that's always been fun to, to kind of push these boundaries and, and educate our palates still on like what we can do. We just did a, another blend recently, uh, here for our 10th anniversary that we actually incorporated some of our first bourbon barrel quad into, cause I love quad, I love quads not the most popular style for the American consumer. I love quads. Rochester 10, my one of my favorite beers ever made ever. It's funny because you know it's bone dry comparatively um, than to what we make, but I love the purpose of a quad. And so we did a quad in our on our in our aspect, which is you know massive and has a high finishing gravity comparatively, but has all that fruitiness of a quad and richness of sugar and and it, and with blended into actually we actually blended in we have a wine license now so actual port. So port wine um i'm not a big fan of missouri oh i shouldn't say that loud am not a big fan of missouri wines we don't have the you're in california we're in missouri i mean come on like i know our wines okay. i was i wasn't <laughs> a big fan of ohio wines either Corey. okay so and and we have some lovely people here making you know good stuff don't get me wrong it's just don't our weather's not great our grapes aren't the best but i will say that missouri port will hold its own against some of the best ports in the world. And I will hands down. I, I There's something about uh, the hardiness and, and richness and craziness of some of our grapes, how well they make, how well they can do with port. And so we actually have some port wine from noble ice. Um, they did all the, you know, they did all the hard work. Don't get me wrong. We've been just aging it for about four years now. It's from a five year from a harvest five years ago. And we actually blended some of that into our most recent kind of like if you will, big multi blend, um, that was really cool and kind of a different push. Cause a lot of breweries legally can't even do that. So it's like a kind of a fun, like boundary push that we can make that some people can't even do. And to show that these flavors really intertwine, um, in more aspects than just, you know, what do you think of when you think of beer and uh surprising a lot of people like i i've always you know i it kind of melts in it's a fruitiness i thought was the barley wine or you know like i can't even really tell that the port's in there and it's like yeah i know because it's when we're making these big sticky fruity bombs sometimes when i say on the barley wine side or the, the quad side like it kind of works right in there really really well so um, it's still fun to like push the boundaries on these blends you know that like you're even doing i'm very jealous of your system where it's like i'm just going to focus on big multi beer in these blends. And that's my primary focus. Cause those are the things I still geek out on um, for Aubrey. And I still geek out on the stours. Don't get me wrong. Um, um, but these, these, these big multi blends have kind of been a new thing for me the last couple of years that are, it's funny cause we've been making big multi beers for a long time, but these new well, blends. Yeah. But yeah. these new blends are getting a little more, I don't know, intriguing. Uh, I don't know. They've been, they've been maybe cause the challenge is there again. There's a little bit more of a challenge to them, you know, where, we have to really sit down and dig into them to really hone these things in because you can go the wrong way too. And they could be not good. Um, yeah, I think, I think for a while, um, we were getting so caught up in, uh, like the ingredients or what we could add to our stout to create a new thing to get people to buy more, you know, stout bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we're going through all the adjuncts and different vanillas and different nuts or different origins in cinnamon or, you know, be it, uh, you know, marshmallow uh, things or just all these different things, right? Not so much talking about us, but just the broader uh, beer yep. spectrum. And yep. for me personally, starting private press and like focusing on blending And focusing on making multiple stout recipes just like you do just like i used to do and barley wine recipes but then putting them in a bunch of different barrels and then stripping away those um, kind of rigid um, guardrails and being able to do whatever you want i'm realizing that there's a lot more that can be discovered with just beer and barrel and these blends of barley wine or Stout or Porter or, uh, you know, Quad or Munich wine, seeing how how we can make something different and new. Um, but that's also familiar. Our customer base knows malt. They yeah. know alcohol. They know chocolate, caramel. You know, they know all these things. So as long as that's all there is like a connective tissue, then we can continue to push everything.
2: Yeah. And
0: I mean, so... You were playing around with port. Um, you know, there's obviously double barreling. Uh, we're both starting the triple barrel more than we probably have. I've got a few right now. You probably have a yep. dozen, dozen plus. We got quite uh, a few now. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just in one of our blends for our anniversary. Uh, we just released a part of it was a quintuple barrel aged stout. Mm-hmm. Um, it Dave, just pushing it. Well, it started out as it started out as two oak barrels, and by the time we were done, it was five year project. By the time I was done, it had been de- it, two full oak barrels, so hundred and six gallons, uh, had concentrated down to about thirty three gallons of beer. <laughs> so, um, is it fruitful? No. Um, is it is it interesting? Yes. Like you know, we're creating flavors that are still and they're are they tasty? Yes. You know, if they weren't tasty, we wouldn't do it again. Because it's not a it's, it's not a matter of just putting quintuple on the label and seeing what happens. And, and it became a small portion of a blend. It wasn't even used the whole thing because it was so intense um, and different. So yeah, but that, and then I'll be honest, like another thing for me that lately has been exciting is just the different or the exotic oaks. Um, we did a Mitsunara finish uh, derivation. Uh, so a Japanese oak, um, super rare barrel. We, I actually haven't had a chance to find more barrels after the two I got. Um, and I fortunately it was, I, I got the first two from Willet from Drew down at Willett. Um, he finished the whiskey and these Mitsunara barrels and um it's like this beautiful like sandalwoody note that is actually appetizing. You know, you know, you don't think like, Oh, I'm gonna eat sandalwood, but it came across as like a sandal woody note that was super delicate and lovely. And uh, that was one of my most favorite beers we made in a while. And because we spent so many years doing adjuncts and we're still doing adjuncts and adjuncts are great, but we use only, you know, natural ingredients like yourself. And there's a limit to those. Like there's only so many actual tangible natural ingredients that you can, that are tasty in a beer. And, um, you play with those for a while and different combinations for a while. And then then you start geeking out on things that other breweries have never done, which is like, let's, let's get these in our barrels. You know, um, we right now have a bunch of Ambrana cats. So a Brazilian oat. That have this like beautiful cinnamon note to them and yeah, those, it, it's, those barrels are nuts yeah they're nuts and they're so cool because like i love cinnamon anybody that's probably listening to this no side project knows that i put cinnamon in quite a few barrels or beers south, um intentionally because i like cinnamon um and it balances our sweetness really well with our, our our bigger beer so to have this like elevated level of cinnamon and i mean like it doesn't taste like cheap grocery store cinnamon. it tastes like it's just a cinnamon component that's actually beautiful. My hands still smell like it. We were working on the barrels today. and I cannot get it off my hands. Um, and so those have been more, those have been really exciting lately um, where it's, you know, you're getting special woods from special places on this earth and, you know, coopered by, you know, people and this is the product they make. And then all we have to do is put beer in it. And then it's absorbing like the flavor of that region, which is really cool and different than, then there's yeah. more vanilla and uh, which I love doing in tastes it's very tasty, but, um uh yeah, it's just been it's been kind of a full circle. You know, everything goes kind of full circle and uh it's like brand new barrel aging for me, even though we've been barrel aging for a long time. Totally. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly how I feel. I'm I'm doing a couple adjuncted releases, but primarily um I'm just geeking Delicious. out on getting different types of barrels, putting different types of beer in them, and having all these different ages. Um mm-hmm. double barreling is still like that always works. Mm-hmm. Um, different combinations of that going from wheat to rye or i've been doing a lot of rye to rye to try to get more of that mm-hmm. baking spice because i love baking spice like barrel mm-hmm. baking spice in my beers um going back to the triple barreling like what are you finding with those because i'm finding it to be kind of difficult to get stuff yeah. that that tastes good on its own I find that yeah. triple barrel aged barley wine is uh, a lot more easy to work with than triple barrel aged stout. And yeah, I don't know if it's the oxidation process or maybe it's my the series of barrels that I've played with, but there's an intensity and almost like a one of them almost tasted like black olives a little bit. Yeah, um, and it, it was really intense, and I found a home for it. And it worked beautifully with all the other components, but it was like, this is, this is different. a lot. <laughs> yeah. A this lot. is a lot. Yeah. So our, let's hear the, the two of our bigger known triple barrel releases, we did MJK, which is barley wine. And so that just worked really well. Like that beer without that alcohol of the triple. So <clears throat> I guess for anybody listening, like Brad and I, like, whenever at least depending on your climate where you're located every time i add uh move a beer to another barrel we pick up an abv point or two um and then we get concentration evaporation um our our humidity and stuff here like we actually increase in abv some people actually lose abv um some people just stay the same um so our gravity goes up because we're evaporating water um our abv goes up so for mjk per se Pretty sweet beer going in the oak, and it needs like the three barrels to really kind of pull it down. And what happened is it actually becomes like about 20% after we triple barrel age it. So um uh much like your you know big utopias and stuff, you know, a lot of that ABV is coming from the barrel after barrel after barrel. Fermentation is really hard to get to go that high. And um, so for MJK and a barley wine, it works really, really, really well. And weirdly enough, you know, oxidation of barley wine usually is the positive thing to a level and uh the flavors flavors produced plus the barreling and the and the ABV really just pulled this beer together and produced a beautiful beer. Now on the other side of that, our triple barrel stout that we released was actually a collab with Gabe at Anchorage um, called Forever Darkness. And we did a different approach where it was triple barrel, but it was one year, one year, one year. And if you know anything about Side Project, we don't 12 months, we don't pull anything at 12 months. Everything's like at least 18 months plus. So it almost like never hit full maturity at any stage in, each, in every barrel. And, but every time we moved it, we got alcohol and then alcohol and alcohol. And, and most of our recipes, the stout recipes, the barrel is that last component that you need that roast um, that bitterness that really makes an imperial stout out of it. And by doing it three times, this one worked, but it, it was intense. And it is, and it's only 19% and it drinks like it's 30 you know, compared to the barley wine, it's at 20 and it's just so roasty and, and barrel for barrel forward, just barrel, barrel, barrel forward. Um, that I, I enjoy it, but it has its, I'm glad it was a three, seven, five bottle, you know, and there's and there's some of our whiskey loving, you know, members as, as, we, as we are 10 years old now, a lot of our first lovers of beer, first lovers of side project are now, you know, a little bit older and they're getting in the whiskey as well and stuff like that. So the ones that really dig the whiskey are really digging these big barrel forward beers. But on the other side of that, they're, they're not maybe as balanced. as just a double barrel stout. Um, and, and we are pushing it again with some of our, like I said, we had a quintuple barrel stout. It was so intense. It was barely part of the blend. Um, but I am trying to figure out maybe a better way to do a triple barrel stout that's, you know, whether it's bigger and a little sweeter and letting the barrel, intensity kind of pull it back on the pallet a little bit even though the abv's to go up yeah. um it, it, it that it's that that extra barrel really changes a lot double barreling i feel like we could knock out of the park like that ah, just go again we got this one but once we had that last barrel it's been a lot mm-hmm. um at least for me i, I don't know about you
1: yeah um, yeah you certainly
0: <laughs> i i feel like um you know we talk about like windows opening and closing right and, and double barreling has a pretty big window I mean, sometimes yeah. just a, a short double barrel soak, I'm talking three to six months, and it's like, it's tasting great. You know, it's got yeah. got all the character um, or you can go another 18 months in it and it's still usually tasting great. So there's this huge area where you can utilize that barrel. But I found with the triple barrels, it, it's tough because either they're too hot. So you, you have to wait long. Longer, but I feel like the, the opening is so much smaller before it gets too intense or too oxidized or, um, but I'm, I've only played around with, you know, a handful of them here. Um, so I'm still, you know, trying to figure it out a little bit. And like one of them, I did like port to bourbon to apple brandy yeah, and maybe that was a little too much. Um, but I found a home for it. But I mean, are, are you primarily going bourbon to bourbon to bourbon? Or? <laughs> so far, they've been bourbon to bourbon to bourbon. Um, we're definitely going to start playing around well with doing double barrel. Like you said, like the double barrel windows is yeah. bigger and they're softer coming out and then finishing for the third barrel in maybe a port or maybe a, yeah. a, a Laird's apple brandy or, you know, whatever, maybe that last barrel being a softer finishing barrel, as opposed to another yeah. vessel to age in to maturity, because you can't. Really, just throw it in a bourbon barrel, a fresh bourbon barrel, and finish it in a bourbon barrel. It really needs to go through full maturity again because it's just, you know, whenever we put beer in a bourbon barrel, it just tastes like, it tastes like somebody put a put a bottle of bourbon in your beer like that. You know, it needs to really round out and soften up and, and finish again, which is a full blown re aging for the most part. At least for our beers and our climate here and our barrel climate, our barrel room climate and stuff, it just tastes disjointed for such a long time. So, um I want to do some more double barrel in triple barrel technically by in a finishing barrel where it can be like a shorter contact I'm in mean, a softer barrel like even if it's just french oak or you know pork or red wine you know do these you know just do these rounded softer uh, finishes which you haven't done yet but um we have a lot of double barrel stuff going on and a lot of times honestly what happens is you know we'll order 40 bourbon barrels and we fill 36 because the batch is a little short, we have four extra ones. Like let's go pick some barrels and do a double barrel, you know? And the next thing you know, we have a bunch of double barrel. And then we come back around, like those are actually mature, but we don't need double barrel beer right now. Let's do triple barrel. And so we do that. And so it's been fun to be able to um, kind of treat our bourbon barrel warehouse like a rig house. You know, we just brew a bunch of stock and then we pick from it as needed. Um, um, and so that's given us the flexibility to do some of these things that aren't they don't have a direct goal yet. It's let's yeah. see what they age out to be and become just like you. And that's the joy of a blendery, you know, as the way we blend these things. Um, yes. um, something <clears> I did <throat> recently was I took, you know, five bourbon barrels that had this uh, walnut stout base in it. And, but they were in different types of barrels. I blended all those together and then filled up, um, five, uh, rye barrels, mm-hmm. rye barrels. So that blend went all together and then that's now aging across five different um rye barrels and it's been about eight months right now and i'm tasting those and trying to figure out if they all work together if i need to pull something else that's not that base stock but you know taking that like you know that finishing barrel nod from the bourbon industry and seeing how i can push that or if i'm putting together a blend And i only need five barrels i might blend six or seven barrels into it to get the complexity but then i've got 100 extra gallons so then i'm taking that double barrel blend and re-barreling barrels and then those can be their own thing or they can you know be the anchor for the next double barrel blend but that's essentially a triple barrel Um, but you know it's like the semantics and just how you're massaging these blends out it's i find it really fun that here we are you know decade plus into barrel aging blending and we're still like figuring some things out right yeah yeah uh it's been cool to treat these more like spirits at that point like you're saying we're moving them in and moving back out like let's just let these keep aging because they are rather robust beers that um you know, as long as you're treating them well, you're not beating the crap out of them. And, um, you know, moving them back into cask can create some some new flavor. So you were mentioning, did so you do do you often adjunct and then re-age afterwards? Or like you were saying, the walnut one, or is that just like every now and then, like, let's try something different? Yeah, I mean, th- there's a couple beers where I will use the adjunct actually on the hot side. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, like maple and honey, I use those on the hot side, but those are, are different adjuncts yeah those, those are sugar sources not yet yeah. um, yeah. but with some of my nut beers um i will use it on the hot side and then i'll add more at the packaging tank to kind of pull that forward but um you can still taste it uh even from the hot side even two years in after a blend into another barrel and then the finishing barrel it's still kind of there um so i kind of like having that like note from the beginning and then being able to add more to take it over the finishing line the only hook on that is then i have this base stock that has nuts in it and there's people that have nut allergies yeah so it limits you a little bit which sometimes helps flush out a whole new idea but i can't use that beer in another blend without yeah. saying, hey, this has walnuts in or it
2: yeah. Almonds yeah. or almonds
0: or whatever because yeah. you don't want anybody um, having to go to the hospital. Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah. that's very important. Very. That's very, very important. Yeah. And, and it's fun with these blends, like, trying to keep track sometimes of everything that is in all of them. And, uh, you know, like, hey, this one may contain lactose because it might have had one of the barrels that might have had lactose in it. Yeah. Um, so we just put that on all of our labels now. And unfortunately, and, and, uh, not unfortunately, fortunately, I'm not a pro or anti-lactose uh, a person, but, uh, yeah, keeping track of those is great. And so now we, we have, we just put it, may contain lactose on all of them. Um, just to make sure we don't, I don't want to ever uh, hurt anybody's belly, um, or offend anybody, you know, or offend anybody that, um, uh, is, is vegan. So, um, yes. yeah, cause our blends and then you're like, ah. Cause we're moving barrels around so much and don't get me wrong. I could dig down and, and figure it out, but I would never, I would hate to, Oh my God, we, we did put one barrel of that in there and we forgot to put it on the way, you know, forgot to put that there. Yeah. So we just, yeah. it, it would be more of a, uh, of, of that, but yeah, I completely, those, we, we've only done adjuncts. We've done adjuncts like a couple times where um, those are actually still maturing. We did one, we did one recently actually, where um, we did anchos, vanilla beans and cocoa nibs. And our expression just, we couldn't get our, we got more leather than this like little pop of spice from the anchos and the barrel, by the time we got everything kind of dialed into the barrel was so subdued. So we just went ahead and took the beer and put it back in barrel. And so we're going to see what this does. So adjuncted into barrel. And then when it comes back out, we'll see if we need to adjunct it again or not or, or, or play around with it. And that's where like the whole science of brewing goes out the window and we become more like bakers not i guess not really bakers you're more cooks you know chefs at that point we're a little saltier a little pepper there um uh, tea- it's fine <laughs> right, oh yeah i have a hard time saying that by myself but uh I, me too you know, i that, yeah. that, that was a hard one to get out um yeah you know before you we know. go any further um we're gonna pause for uh some sponsor support
1: Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit malt europe dot com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at customer at malt dot com or dial eight four four five four six malt for questions or to place your order. First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Some of the brightest brewers across the country have discovered the first tea advantage. Hill Farmstead, Sweetwater Brewing Company, and Angry Chair are among the many who have used First Tea's unique and quality teas and botanicals to create top rate beers. First Tea focuses on being direct, flexible, and fast. You can find out more about First Tea's collaboration with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting firsttea.com slash blog. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A.com slash blog. All about beers back and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts.
0: All right, Corey, so you just celebrated 10 years at Side Project. Uh, you just yeah. wrapped up all the celebrations on like sunday right yeah uh, monday actually oh monday yeah yeah we uh, yeah, uh we go ahead sorry are 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 you feeling rested yet no um uh, i'm not I'm, um i am 40 now i'm not 30 like i was when we started this whole thing um but no it was the most incredible weekend it really was um overwhelming support and love from around the world that showed up here in st louis um uh, it was humbling. I we did not expect that kind of turnout. Um, uh, Post COVID, we have done some bigger releases. I say bigger releases, like we did Van Winkle BBT stuff like that that we actually marketed in, and the turnout was soft. Um, you know, because of people's habits, you know, traveling, beer habits, whatever may have been during COVID, it that changed, and which is great. You know, I, I'm different too than than you know. I learned to live at home and, and have a lot more fun at the house, and so um and we all got a little bit older well we weren't expecting this kind of turnout for our 10th anniversary and um we thought things were gonna be softer and it was it was like i don't know it was like 2017 around here there was people everywhere and it was lovely and and i do believe we made a lot of people happy and we 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 were prepared but it was still a lot and uh, i hope they had a good time um everybody seemed to really enjoy it we released we released five of our own new we've never released many beers in one time We released five new beers and then um Gabe from Anchorage made a beer for, for yep. us called for Corey, um, which is lovely and, um, cause like I said, I made a beer for him called for Gabe back first 10. Of course, Yeah, that was, was that, cool. that was an easy name to come up with on Gabe. <laughs> yeah. I just told Gabe, I'm happy you spelled my name right. There's no E in it. So it's just C-O-R-O-I. <laughs> Good job, Gabe. Thanks So. Um, uh a, a, a beer that i made for my son milo called mjk's triple Barrelage barley wine it was inspired by triple oak deal with the devil way back when and um he put some triple o, deal with the devil in his blend and everything and so it was really cool but we had people in from all over europe from all over east asia from brazil i mean it was so cool to see so many people and they all flew in like thursday and most of them didn't leave till tuesday so we were expecting the releases to be, you know, slower on Sunday, Monday as you would. And it was the same people. Cause they were here like I'm here the whole weekend. Like, okay. Um, this is awesome. So we got, um, we got our butts handed to us for all, all better, better terms. But um, I think we did a good job. We had something to do at all three locations. So if you've never visited side project with three locations, um, all within a block of each other here in Maplewood, just as pretty much St. Louis and um It was cool to have that many beers released. We released uh, our anniversary box set beers individually. And then we did a 10th anniversary barley wine, which our 10th anniversary barley wine is pretty much double barrel MJK, which MJK is always triple barrel, but it was the MJK recipe double barrel agent and a small back blend of um, one of my favorite beers we make called Langst. And so it was a blend I really sat down and dug into and, uh, honestly, I think that was the winner of the weekend amongst the consumers, which is cool because it was obviously the it was also the biggest batch we had. You know, ten. Sometimes people love the smallest batch, and then this one, they're like, "Man, I just want more of that tenth anniversary barley wine." Yeah, and uh, I, Link's, I, I guess uh, I still got it. I still got it. I guess my beer, right? Yeah, and blending. Yeah, Link's is uh, it's it's, uh, it's Adam beer right. inspired. Yeah, it's an Adam beer inspired by Alan's from Hair of Dogs. Take yes. on an Adam beer. Yeah. So if you've ever had an actual traditional Adam beer, um, uh, these are all. Interpretations of that style, and I think I think you know improvements that work well for barrels versions of Adam beer is much bigger version. But yeah, so um, Adam beer is like you know esoteric. I think it's originated in the Dortmunder region. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's I actually a big did with Blake who interviewed me. You know, last nice. episode uh, we did one years ago, and it had um, some it had some smoke character to it. Yeah. I don't know if Langst does Langst have smoke malt in it. It has a tiny, 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 tiny bit of smoke malt in it, um, and the original Adam beers were actually not even dark that dark. They're more like a honey golden dark, dark honey maybe. And you know, I don't know what color yours was, but mine's inspired by Adams or sorry, Alan's Adam, and it's it looks like a barley wine, you yeah, know, and in the, and the and traditional your barley wine like looks like a brown port. A stout. Stout. Yeah, exactly. stout. <laughs> brown port. <laughs> uh, sorry, a uh, stout. Oh, um. the stout. Yeah. I don't believe in brown porters to me. I've never made a porter that wasn't black. Uh, And, uh, but that's, I know that's the style. Don't get me wrong. Sorry. Not that I don't believe. I would just give winter tough time about that winter. And I always argue about porters and he's like, look up the definition. Like definitions suck. Have you had a side project beer? None of them follow definition. They are just beer. You know, we give them, we have guidelines to our beer. So yeah, Um, that's a good winter, uh, argument. Absolutely. So anyways, yeah, thank you. We just had our 10th anniversary. It was awesome. Um, uh, five new side project beers and then um the 440 so the side project beers are cool cuz we did a double rye version of BBT so we have a rye version of BBT and it's amazing how just the barrel is such an important part of our beer and so when we have a beer, beer we have beer barrel time which is usually bourbon and then we have a rye version just that slight change that last ingredient it kind of shows the importance of how the barrel really selection is and then um we had a double barrel aged derivation so um you know our double barrel our stock our our, our our imperial stout stock that can become either beer barrel time or derivation or a continued blend and we finished it on um it was double will it age and then finished on vanilla beans we had continuance 10 year um which continuance tenure technically double barrel aged mjk as well but it was apple brandy finished so layered apple brandy finish which is a whole new take on that beer we didn't call it mjk once again because mjk is always triple barrel aged, and then we had um deca it's a d-e-c-a hyphen um so deca is a precursor you know a prefix for me 10 in the lot of yep i think and, the uh, founders
2: put out deca first but that might oh have did they 20. really
0: yeah did they really it, damn i didn't yeah. even look oh <laughs> it had it had like 10 malts and 10 hops and 10 spices and was aged for 10 months in or time. No. something it was 10 percent. um something yeah, like that, that. That. Yeah, oh, oh god, I didn't actually didn't think about that. that I, I, I remember loving that beer uh a long time ago. Founders 10 years gone. ago? 20 plus years. <laughs> yeah, <old now>. Exactly. <laughs> um so, uh, so you, you mentioned that it felt like, you know, 2017 and we all uh, we all get a little, you know, spark in our eyes when we think about, you know, 15 and 16 and 17 where it was just we were all having fun. We were exploring and uh, experimenting, and everything was selling. And everybody, consumers and brewers, we were just excited. Um, so, you know, as you've celebrated ten years, what does the next ten years? What are you looking for in yeah. that? And like, what are what are you and Karen looking to do with the company, with the staff, with the stability, with you know what are you yep. talking about <clears throat> i mean that's that's a great question i mean, I think if, if any one of us knew we would all be telling our friends like this is what we all should be doing for the next 10 years because um, it you know as quickly as this thing turned on if you will this craft beer wave it's also like stagnated a little bit for a lot of our friends in 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 breweries like i think you and i are fortunate we've been very small and and um uh i never lost we never lost um I never, I never, we never turned this into a company, really, where I couldn't touch the beer and be part of that. So I've always really enjoyed what we do, and never had to sell anything because we've never been large enough to tell people we had to like to buy our stuff. But with that being said, the next ten years from now are even more more different. You know, all of our consumers are none of us. None of us have drawn in really newer consumers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I can't say none of us because the breweries that are doing things that are the newer consumers are diving into are just beer styles that I don't want to that I don't. It, i don't find enjoyable for myself you know if there's nothing right or wrong about that um we started our project making beer that we wanted to drink and um we still do that um um and and i think the whole industry has seen just like a different change of drinking habits um uh the i i actually uh, we, i was in a meeting the other day and there was somebody that was 24 on our meeting and after we were talking i was just like man at the gym like he's 24 and i was like there's there's a lot of kids at our gym that's like your age i remember i was your age i didn't go to the gym that much it's like i was 24 and healthy and like i mean i worked out but I, I wasn't a slob but it just and he goes yeah like in our in our generation like there's pictures posted of us online all the time we live in an instagram world so they all are a little more health conscious and he's like i want to look good like imagine like how many times did when we were 24 do you have to worry about getting posted online you know like none and he goes yeah you see yourself posted online your gut hanging out and you're like i want to not look like that online." I'm like whoa it doesn't sound fickle it just sounds different you know they're living in a different in in a different world than we we grew up in and so i say we grew up I'm kind of like old or what but um you know I, I there's there's definitely some changes and so we're just going to keep doing what excites us. And seriously, what excites me is I still get excited about doing these big blends. I get excited about our quality. I get excited about our consistency of quality. I get excited about what our staff likes to do. And we're going to look forward to doing another location that has food and beverage together, a place I can take my kids. A lot of our customers now have children and families and, um, you know, they're more apt to drink a uh, at a place that has a snack, you know, and have two beers than go sit at Side Project for a derivation keg release you know yeah. um Literally. it it's yeah. it's it no and we still don't be wrong and that's that's our local crowd you know like we just had our anniversary and it surprised me from all these people around the world that come come in and treat us like like I treat Canton and dre in belgium you know like they came in to drink our stouts here in st louis where i would go drink lambic in, in in brussels you know or i would go to champagne and drink champagne or burgundy and drink wine they came to st louis to drink stout and That's not lost on us at all. I am going to continue to do that, but what's next for us, you know, and as um, we kind of plateaued in production about four years ago, five years, and that's only because of our choice. We have no more space. I mean, Brad's been there. It's, we can only make so much barrel-aged beer. Um, I don't want to make more beer because that would be uh, tougher for me to keep control of a lot of the beers if we get too big. But how do you keep growing your business as we, you know, we don't lose, we don't lose staff. We, we have no turnover. Our staff's really, really great. And they stay with us and we want to continue to take care of them and pay them well and give them raises and 401ks and health insurance and all those things that now I have to talk about that I, you know, that is more business related than say just brewing related. And so going forward, we just want to grow the business organically local and still always have that global crowd that, that, uh, appreciates our niche, um, you know, flavor profile of barely each stouts and barley wines. Um, and so that, I think the idea is to have a, another location that, that has food and drink and maybe a small brew house where I can get back in the brew house more often and just kind of have fun and make something that's, you know, our, like I said, our global crowd isn't looking for me to make a, a traditional triple. Yeah. I would love to drink a traditional triple that I made. And that would actually go over better with our local crowd with some food. You know, yeah. on draft at our location. So, how do we do both well without being big? And I don't want to be big, and I don't want to distribute. Um, and we're going to keep treating this thing like um, you know a brewery rather than a business, if we can, as long as we can. Yeah, the That's my uh, the small brew house kind of reminds me of like what uh, Vinny did at Win. Yeah. Yes, know, and you know he's just in there, you know, awesome. making whatever he wants, and and. Yep. And, you know, it goes on draft at, at their location and yep. it, it fills, you know, this this desire that you have personally. But also for the, the more curious beer drinker, um, it scratches an itch, too. And, yep. and I think what you're talking about with another location, with food and whatnot, uh, you know, our customer demographic is aging. Um, mm-hmm. when I say aging. I mean, they are getting married. They mm-hmm. are buying a house, they are having children, Mm -hmm. Um, they are making big life changes, right? So Mm -hmm. money uh, sometimes usually gets quite a bit tighter, and time Mm -hmm. gets tighter. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, to expect them to just buy big stouts or barley wines, um, that's a harder uh, thing to convince them to do, uh, Mm -hmm. as the pocketbook gets a little tighter. But if you can offer a place to go with your family or with your spouse or partner, and enjoy just some beers over the bar and some food, um, they can do, they can still do that. And that's and that yeah. that might be like an easier sell or not so much sell, but it's an easier way for them to stay connected with your brand with your company. Mm-hmm. There's there's um. You know, whenever Karen and I travel with the boys, we still go find the local brewery. Um, And, you know, some of my best experiences at breweries in the last, you know, I guess three years, you know, COVID slash post-COVID, I've been at breweries that were just making, I mean, there's so many breweries making good beer now, Um, you know, and we would go to a brewery that makes good beer. So I'm enjoying my beer, but they were hospitable. Like they had like outdoor, like, um, outdoor areas. That's all AstroTurf. And they have like, you know, two by four Jenga and bags and the kids can run around circles. And, you know, I mean, so probably some people listen to this, that sounds terrible because they're like, I don't want kids running around me. But like for me and my family, you know, my time is valuable because I'm trying to balance uh, a family life and a business life. And so Karen and I still get the enjoyment of going to a brewery and experiencing them. But the breweries that we find the best for us now in our lifestyle is you're still making good beer let's be honest gotta make good beer and then it's a place that has a snack for the kids so the kids can have some enjoyment and and things i enjoy those places more i can't take my kids to just honestly like a brewery like side project where it's only about beer and so we're looking about doing a food truck not a food truck but like well it'll be a food truck at side project but it's our kitchen because we don't have we don't have room to build a kitchen so it'll always be at our place to be side project owned food so you can have food at side project and and do these other things and um and and so it's all encompassing uh of an experience uh, an experience than just maybe just beer um and because like our pizza place across the street from the brewery um that we teamed up with pizza champ to do we take our kids there all the time where we can have slice of pizza they can eat french fries and we eat pizza and there's tvs up and but i still get a great beer you know made by side project and you can do both and so i think that's where the next phase at least for us is and I find enjoyment at a breeze that are doing that very well around the country when we do travel. And so I'm, I'm thinking that that's, it's not the brew pub anymore. It's not a brew pub, you know, that got tired a long time ago um, because it was about a pub and drinking where these are more um, almost communal gathering points, you know, Out some places have outdoor movie theaters, you know, like in these things that are more um, so that's where I, that's where I envision us going. I don't know if it'll happen because it takes the right place, right neighborhood, right town, you know, right space. It's, these are, these are big places and big investments that can be nerve wracking for a small company where you're, you know, a small brewery, where you start thinking about debt and stuff. And that's, I'm just trying to make the right decision for our 34 employees now and give them a job for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, whatever, however we do this thing without screwing it up, you know? And then you got Brad over here who just works by himself and I'm jealous of that too. <laughs> I've, 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 got a new, um, assistant actually, uh, John, John Drennan, uh, mm-hmm. who was the head brewer at Sante, he, he moved back to Santa yeah. Cruz. So he's been in here like 10 to 15 hours a week and yeah. um, really leaning into him, um, just from like a operational standpoint. And I've never yeah. had that in the four years that I've done this and, uh, and we're, and we're really jiving good together. And it's great to have somebody else in here. Like when we're blending Yep just kind of like bounce things off of you know and and uh we were we were blending a new barley wine yesterday and we both just like didn't say anything for you know like 20 seconds after tasting a blend and I was like that's the one <laughs> It was I it, love little it. little assurances like that but yes you're right uh from a business standpoint my plates pretty empty um our staff goes and all Beautiful. those things and debt and, and whatnot but you know i mean hopefully i can keep it that way too but we'll just kind of see where the spending habits go and if it mm-hmm. if, if it needs to get more complicated it always can right Corey? it can it really can and as long as we stay in control of it i feel like we've made the right decisions to get to where we are now and um if we just stay in control and keep doing what we do then we won't go too far down the wrong path if you yeah know. and as long as we can still you know make a triple or mm-hmm. or blend all the beers um mm-hmm. there's certain things that you know i mean boots on the platform i still I, I love doing that i do a lot less of it um but you know at some point you gotta you kind of gotta hand that over to the guys that honestly do it better than you or i could because yeah. we don't do it enough to be good at it anymore you yeah. know yeah uh- My my guys, I I'm I'm gifted with like I think the best brewers in the country, and I'll I'll, I say that like they're amazing and they're amazing people, and you know I I hope that all breweries will acknowledge that their brewers are the best in the country, you know, and I think that doesn't go far enough to where people think I do everything. Like you
2: crazy? I don't do everything.
0: I know. Um, You know, it's like I I haven't. You know, it's it it takes it takes a it takes a team to do all this really well, and and I will say I taste every beer before it sold to you that's for sure but i don't i I, it's just not physically possible to do everything and and i have like the best the best crew in the world and um um they make our they they are why side project is 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 a big proportion of why it is what it is today Yeah, yeah i mean i i can speak from experience corey but anybody especially any brewer or beer industry person that has visited side project and stepped behind the tap room or even just sat at the bar and met and met your front of the house staff, your your, your brewers, oh, your logistics team, like everybody. Uh, you guys have uh, incredible pickers, if you will. Um, I mean, you and Karen. I mean, Karen with the front of the house staff. I mean, those. It, it's it's always welcoming. They're very professional. They're fun. They're genuine. Um, you know, I think that's a testament to to you know both you and Karen. Your families, uh, how you guys were raised, and 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 what you guys hold uh, important and dear. So, um, on that note, this has been such a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me, and I look forward to hearing who and uh, what you talk about on the next brewer to brewer podcast from All About Beer. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it,
1: Brad. Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada, and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet visit MaltEuropeMaltingCo.com dot com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at CustomerSuccess at malteurope dot com or dial eight four four five four six malt for questions or to place your order. First tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Some of the brightest brewers across the country have discovered the first tea advantage. Hill Farmstead, Sweetwater Brewing Company, and Angry Chair are among the many who have used First Tea's unique and quality teas and botanicals to create top-rate beers. First Tea focuses on being direct, flexible, and fast. You can find out more about First Tea's collaboration with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting firsttea.com blog. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A dot blog.